Keyforge, Call of the Archons, Human Fall Flat, and Killing Eve. This is Staying In. Happy Christmas Eve, everyone. Happy Christmas Eve. Well, I, I, I hope you, I hope you're prepared. I hope you've got your Christmas Eve. Yeah, I hope you've got your lunchbox on the the fireplace. What you you put Dan and you've put everything out for Dan, Father Christmas. Dan, I think Sam might have had a stroke. Uh, it, obviously, I've I've been busy Chris. before in the kitchen. I've made my eight tuna sandwiches. Can you call an ambulance, please, Chris? I've made my sausage rolls. Uh, and I've put up my big, large Mars bar ready for Father Christmas. I feel like we need to do some kind of intervention. Yeah. It's Christmas Eve. It's the day before Chris Darby's birthday. Yep. It's Christmas Eve. Because uh, it's Christmas Day tomorrow. It's a day in which people cover their bathroom in bubble wrap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we all sit down the ceremonial lunchbox. And as a family, we uh, <laughs> eat... <laughs> Everything, <laughs> yeah, everything in sight. <laughs> we open the fridge and devour. Oh. And are you looking forward to Christmas Day tomorrow? Chris? I am indeed. Yeah. Um, and thank you, Sam, for your gifts. Um, <laughs> Dan and Pete, do you know Dan and Pete? You know, you know when my birthday is, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Yeah, we all know that, yeah, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Fine. It's Christmas Eve. Because Sam didn't. Yeah. Well, well, that's really good because, you know, we went in on a present. So I'm really glad that the person organising it... That's very sweet of you because, um, yeah, I thought, wow, it's very kind, very, very kind of Sam and Lisa to get me gifts and things. You know, they handed me these gifts when I was around their, their house uh, like about a month ago or so. And <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. And it's like... Um, and, and, and I can't remember what the conversation was, Sam, but it became very quickly by the look in your eyes that you assumed my birthday was a lot sooner than you thought it was. I thought I thought it was a Monday after. You actually made me doubt myself. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered whether Chris, you would, you would open your presents on Christmas Eve, or are you going to save them for Christmas Day? This is getting really confusing with Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Yeah, Sam. It's Sam, how, Sam has just I'm, made it. I'm spelling them differently. He's spelling them with a K. Yeah. I'm not saying. I'm not saying the T. It's literally like Christmas Eve. Yeah. It's Christmas Eve. Yeah. Christ. Hey, hey, you've never called it Christmas Eve. <laughs> Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Yeah. Christmas Day. Sam yeah. has made this so un- unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. And ironically, I'm turning 33. <laughs> I mean, do you want well, me to open the presents you got me? It's up to you. They're your presents. It's been so yeah. long ago since we got them. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't think I can even remember what what they were. Well, we're gonna do we're but, gonna do lots of present unwrapping at some point in the near future. Yeah, anyway, so it might be the case that I'll just I'll I'll let you know how do it, it goes same tomorrow. For another month. Do it in private. Because right. uh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna do our um, we're gonna do our secret Santa stuff this year, aren't we? We we set a budget ten pounds because that's how much we love mm-hmm. each other, uh, and each person is uh, buys for somebody else, like in a normal secret Santa. And of course, the tradition. Is that Holly pick, picks the names? Yes, this is true. Uh, you're you're she's, good lady. She's primed. Yep. And the other tradition is we all pick something that we'd like to get from our gift. Yeah. Something we'd like to get, or something in particular. So last year I wanted a, uh, um, a sort of a history book, and Dan got me Sapiens. Yep. Which is great. Very good book. But depressing. So it's a bit of a tough read. <laughs> history isn't um, always fun, Sam. It's kind of, look what we messed up. Pretty much everything. (laughs) (laughs) And I went with a game that was related to a book, 
Well, that was your second oh, choice. Oh, yeah, what? And so I got Dune on the PlayStation. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I asked for a classic novel written by a female author, and PC got me Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, an absolute well, a classic. A really lovely edition of it as well. Yeah. And I asked for a interesting novel, which could then be interpreted however the way you wished. Oh, good. Well, I hope I get you this time. Um, so we'll 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 probably pick these. Uh, we'll pick more of these probably soon, and then we'll we'll yeah, do it yeah, on like we'll, do it, we'll do it on a future episode. We'll, we'll do a little special one. Well, there's only so many episodes left before. Yeah, there's literally the next one. One episode yeah. left. Yeah. The next one is the last one before Christmas. This episode we're recording now yeah, will is be Christmas. The one before Christmas. No, it's it's no, Christmas, isn't it? No, the one we're doing now will come out yeah. the, first the first day of Advent. December. Yeah, but it's Christmas right now, isn't it? Don't get into this again. It's Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it's not Christmas. It's Christmas. You know, there are times, and it often happens when I'm doing these podcasts, that I that I sit here and wonder why I'm friends with you. Because it, it's, it's such hard work sometimes. It really is. My brain just, my, kind of, the gears just kind of start to like clunk and clunk just from just having conversations. So I, I, I think we've got to say what we're going to ask for then. Okay. If this is, if this is the one. Yeah. We've got to say yeah. what we're going to ask for for this year. Oh, God. Chris, cool. yes. seeing it's uh, your birthday tomorrow. Yep. I all like, very simple. You can go first. Very simple. Go on. I would like a graphic novel. Mm. Good. I haven't read any this year, and I've missed that satisfaction of cracking open, listening to the satisfying crack of a new book. It's down the <laughs> back. Um, of a graphic novel. Good. That's all I want. Okay. Dan, do you know do you know what you want? I'm I'm for Christmas. I'm gonna go for I think I'm gonna go for a book again. Um this time I'm gonna go for an autobiography. Hmm. So lots of I was got any any particular I was type? gonna I was gonna maybe say historical autobiography, but I don't want to limit it too much, so Aren't all autobiographies historical? I mean it's not really it's not really <laughs> limiting it. All of historical history. figures. As opposed to, all oh, right. I see but what I, you but mean. I'm open yeah. to kind of any kind of autobiography. Um, Pete's looking quizzical, so we'll leave him last. I want something that's going to teach me something. Does that make sense? Yep. Is it? Yeah. Are you, are you stating can... a particular type of media or? No. So something that's going to teach me something. Are we talking like a textbook or something more philosophical, like a you know, like? I I, I think okay okay I can get I'm going to refine it. I want something that's going to teach me a new skill that's not juggling okay so i want to learn a new skill and will you debut this skill on your wedding day yes (laughs) (laughs) so it could be juggling mine (laughs) where are the rings (laughs) exactly Chris is doing some hilarious stuff. Oh, just can't. Works, it's mine, works it? really well on audio, doesn't it? Um, uh, I I always feel bad for people who get me. I would like. Oh, oh my god! god. You should, no. Jesus! I would like. What was your? Can we just? Can we just say? Dan was right when he said that your Secret Santa last year was your second choice. Because what was your first? Mm. Wasn't it like an original bot? Yeah, it was the only made one copy of it. Oh yeah, portable game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A portable game in its original box that he hasn't already played for a tenner. Yeah, yeah. Yes, but no, yeah. that he doesn't own. <laughs> yeah, you being uh, a video games producer and game collector. Yeah. Um, okay. 
What I'd like is, I would like a role-playing game book. Uh, okay. A role-playing play- oh game God. book. But it can't yeah. be like any of the ones that you know you would have heard of, like Pathfinder or Dungeons and Dragons or anything like Brilliant. that. And it's got to be at least ten years old. Why? 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 I... Why, say, why such fine criteria that's, for it? That's what I, that's what I want from Secret Santa. So you want something that none of us have ever heard of that has to be at least ten years old? Okay. Okay. Let's compare it to what Chris asked for. Graphic novel. What did you ask for, Chris? That's it. Graphic novel. Yeah. No, that's good. Really nice. Not very specific, but yeah. I mean, so that's 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 what I'm after. You you realise, Pete, the idea isn't to kind of challenge us to to no, kind of I come mean, up with something. No, it's it's it. No, the idea is to get something as a secret Santa gift that somebody would really love. That's that's. It's almost it's almost like Pete's got his heart set on a very particular RPG book that he <laughs> yeah, wants us and to he's buy. He's going to add enough criteria <laughs> so it narrows it down to one single thing. So, Pete, your list to Santa, how long were they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why did your did your no actually that's funny. Did your parents ever I don't know if they Oh no, now I'm worried. Is this when you were talking about how you used to throw them on the fire? We used to throw our lists on the fire and they would go up to Santa. Like we'd write them we'd, And then you never got what you and wanted. And then we never got did what you we remember, wanted. Did you remember Mr. Willington what he wanted? No, I didn't did you remember he Mr. Wrote, Willington? He wrote like six pages. Oh. I guess <laughs> That's that's there were only four things. The sad thing was it's a gas fire as well. <laughs> just sat there. <laughs> so, it, you know, I, I distinctly remember, you know, my parents, like, looking at the list, you know, the, 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 the pages and pages of it, and then just, like, looking and going, mm, and then crumpling it up and put it on the fire, like, to send it up to Santa. So, I mean, did they tell you that's what they were doing? It was, that's, that's what they meant by that. That's what I assumed. Okay. Okay, lads. Yes. Finally arrived. The pre-orders have trickled in. There's one left. Finally. But the big, but but the big one came here. Keyforge is here. The 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 game everyone's talking about. The game that you've been filling our WhatsApp group with pictures of ever since it arrived through your door. Yeah. So Sam. Yeah, it's great. Now Sam, did you manage to find anyone on your street to play it with? Not on the street. <laughs> Sam lives in the nineties, where he just goes out to the street and plays on the, on the curb. Does anyone want to play this game with me? It's a unique card game made by a doctor in America. No, it's called Keyforge. Darling, darling, come away, come away. No, don't look at him directly. <laughs> the decks are unique. Yes, I have called it, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I got my starter set yeah. um, through the post, um, which is cool. So um, I know we've spoken a bit about the, a bit about it before on the podcast when I was getting overly excited and maybe talking about it before my time. But the aim of Keyforge is that um, every deck that has ever been made is, or ever will be made, is unique. It's personal to you when you buy it. No one else will ever have that deck and the contents of it. Um, and then the decks basically it's a two player game you fight against your opponent and whoever forges three keys first is the winner so I got my starter set through mm. and the starter set's a little it's a little bit disappointing if I'm honest why is that? Um, it's, it's in terms of prospects of a value for money it's okay because you get two decks which are um, 
the only decks that have been um, printed multiple times and they're considered the the sort of teaching decks because they've been purposely made so they're balanced against each other. Gotcha. So when it's a when you're in a, a sort of a learning environment, no one's going to have a deck that's more powerful than the other. So in this way, you're both. The aim is that, that when you're learning the game, you're both taking the same stuff away from it in terms of mechanics and balance and how the decks interact. Because if you just relied on the unique decks to teach a game, then you, as a game publisher and as a designer, you wouldn't be in control over, well, what are you actually trying to teach a player and what you're actually hoping that they get from that experience. Mm. So I see why they've done those. And those two decks are actually really competitive and really good. So I'm glad I've got them. But, mm. I mean, maybe you're about to tell me why I'm wrong in thinking this. As you've said before, one of the, the kind of the key selling points of Keyforge is the unique decks and nobody has the same decks and, so, and all that stuff. Yeah. So the first thing you said about Keyforge is that you get the same decks as everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, in the starter set. That, so you get two decks which are the same as everyone else. So do you get, do you get, is that all you get in the starter set or do you get more decks in the starter set? No, you get two unique decks as well. Unopened unique so deck. So you get four altogether. You get four altogether. So, so in terms of a price aspect, it's okay, worth I got it. you now. So that's what, that's what I was wondering. The whole selling point, they seem to have diddled you on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, you then you also get all the tokens and chits and things that you need to play the game. But you don't actually really need them to play the game. Like, let me put it this way. If you're buying the starter set for Keyforge, it's probably more than likely you own enough tokens and things <laughs> from other games. Yeah that you could get along without the starter set. Um, and also, it came in one of those disappointingly huge uh, fantasy flight boxes that they obviously want you to use as a storage case mm. for all the cards, but it just really felt but like... It, but it doesn't even work very nicely as a storage solution, no. does it? It's just like, here's us shipping air. And the other thing about the starter set is, is you don't get a full set of rules. You only get the starter rules. And if you want the full set of rules, wow. you've, got to, you've got to print them off yourself or just read them off. Of but there was so much that. space in that box. Because there's not enough space in the box. Yeah. <laughs> I get that, that. That's a pet peeve from when we were talk, talking about Transformers. Anyway, but the game is incredible. Okay. It's really is um, a testament to to Richard Garfield's design and philosophy that it manages to achieve what it does and I want you to and and I'm glad that I did end up printing off the printing off the uh, the rules because I want to I want to read you something I want to read you something and see if you can spot in this in this four paragraph thing from Richard Garfield him maybe sounding like he's a little bit upset with magic the gathering <laughs> it's it's subtle <laughs> yeah Okay. Blue sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, here we go. Yep. So, this is called The Origin of Keyforge. In the early days of trading card games, they were played in many ways, mm. and some of my favorite ways disappeared over time. Among these were sealed deck and league play. Both were awkward to manage because cards had a tendency to get lost in one's collection. I've often wondered if I could get back some of that really exciting play, which is characterized by tools that weren't universal. Each player had treasures no other player had, but also had less powerful cards that needed to be used in clever ways to get the most value. One sealed or league deck was never ideal, but it was unique, and there was a great deal of skill in getting the most out of it. 
While I enjoy constructing or drafting decks, mm. nudge, nudge, wink, wink, I'm often longing to play cards that are not powerful enough to compete within these formats. I find special pleasure in winning a game using cards that many people ignored or overlooked. Mm. I've often been attached to good procedurally generated content. Game worlds generated in this way feel as if they belong to me, the player. I'm discovering them as I play. The designer didn't even know they existed. Often games with such content are extremely managed experiences. Everyone goes through the same storylines and can experience the same gameplay by making the same decisions. Everything they experience feels planned. The contrast feels to me like the difference between exploring a jungle and walking in an amusement park. When trading card games first came out, and considering Magic was pretty much the first, the feeling was like exploring a jungle. And as cards became more like commodities, it became more and more like an amusement park. Welcome to the jungle. That's a bit... So I mean... Yeah. I mean, the, the, I guess my issue with that is, mate, that's the game you made. But I guess what he's saying is, is that over time, magic has become pretty elitist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, the, the barrier to get in... Sorry, actually, no... The barrier to get in is actually pretty low now. Like, you need a, fr- oh, yeah, a friend. You get a deck for free. You get a deck for free. But also, like, you need a friend to tell you how to play the rules, or you need to go to, like, a Sunday Night Magic or whatever and have somebody teach you. But otherwise, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's fine. But to get into, like, competitive play, yeah, that is... I mean, I wouldn't even know how to start. Like, but... I mean, there is... He, also, he talks about like the you know the 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 individual treasures of having a collection, and I think that is really yeah. important in in games like Magic and other you know collectible card games. But I don't know. Like, I can also, I guess, I get a little bit tripped up on this whole like oh it feels like it's really managed it feels because that to me is like everything that wizards is doing with like ravnica and like the time with D and uh you know all the previous blocks like amonkhet all of these feel really thematic they feel like there's because there is a storyline that's going along with this with these decks and actually i find that really cool like i really like that stuff um and the idea that like oh you're meant to feel this at this time yeah that's called really good design. Like, you know, it's like we want people to feel when they play this card or when they when they experience this card in a game that, you know, they want we want you to feel this way about the story. That's really cool. That's really clever. But there's but I, I think what he's what he kind of what he's saying is that no matter how much story, no matter how brilliant you make yeah. the make the list of, you know, magic cards that are out there, the designers are always gonna know if you want to play the best, these combinations are going to be... Yeah. You, you get net decks, the right? Ways. Is that what they're called? Net decks? Yeah. Where people... Yeah. Pay, basically, Dan, people people go onto forums and they like go, this is the deck that you should use. Yeah. So everyone ends up using the same deck or knows of a similar deck. So what I sort of... How I read that, and I sort of got it in the same way as, as you did, Pete, but when you couple it with actually playing the game of Keyforge... It, you suddenly feel everything that I think he wants you to feel as a player. Right. The idea that so I I played it with a friend and we sort of got to know it with these with these two training decks and we we're like yeah that's brilliant yeah cool we, yeah we're getting used to it and then we opened the unique decks and the 
feeling that you're holding something in your hand that no one in the world ever knew or ever dreamed could exist is a very powerful feeling. Yeah. And he's right when he says that very quickly you believe in that thing was made for you. And I guess that's kind of a fault of us as human beings in a way. And I guess, Chris, you may have felt felt this with No Man's Sky. It's, that, it's almost like that God delusion, isn't it? That Yeah, I was just thinking that, actually. You feel, because you're the person experiencing this and you know it's unique, you feel like it's been created for you. Yeah, I mean, I did Whereas... name a planet after myself. Long term, Sam, how many yeah. games do you reckon you're going to play if we feel, actually, now it's time to purchase some more decks it's it's really weird because immediately i was like i want to buy some more decks and you i think the fear is with me for keyforge is that i'm always fighting that feeling of discovery and and chasing that feeling of opening something and going oh this is brilliant and this is offering me something slightly different yeah to to a deck that i already have um but i think what my strategy is going to be is that, say, if Chris, Chris, you and I get together at some point soon, I think I'd, if I think if I just force myself to play with the decks or I've, or I've already got, I think that will allow me that time to sort of find out what it's like to really invest myself into a deck and maybe try and force myself to not get caught up in that hype and that cycle and just try and really find that one deck that I really, really like and play with that because I'm not going to be competing with this. So it's not like I need to go out there and really find the deck that really works for me and that suits my play style. I've got four decks that all play in completely different ways and all have different strategies. And I think I've just got to hold myself back a little bit and enjoy that sense of ownership of the cards that I've got because it's... And finally... It's such a strange feeling, having played Magic for how many years I have, to know that those two decks I have, no one else in the world will have them. Like, that is... It's a really almost unsettling feeling because whenever I play Magic, I've always chased that feeling of, oh, I really like the look of that card. Yeah, I'll put that in my deck. Oh, I really like the look of that card. Yeah, I'll put that in my deck. But I don't have to worry about that Keyforge. No one else will ever have those those cards in that combination that I do. No one's going to ever have that. That's mine. Those are that's my decks. No one else will ever have that, and that's a really weird feeling. But it's kind of liberating in a way to know that I don't have to go chasing it anymore. I can just play the game, which I think is what Richard Garfield is saying in that statement that you just you just play the game and you just enjoy play. Well, I've been playing a game where you surf on a lilo down a waterfall and where you Good. catapult yourself into a castle. <laughs> and when you uh and then when you you like swing on a wrecking ball like that pop star did. Did you guys ever have when you were growing mm. up? Um, crash test dummy. Yeah, dolls. yeah, yeah. Of course, I had the car, Formula yeah. One car as well. Yeah, really. Yeah, Formula One car. When when you pressed in, like basically when it contacted with something, it uh, it crumpled and it flew the crash dummy out. It's great. Did you? Did you? Was that on one of your notes to Santa? Uh, 
No, no. Can it be green, please, Santa? Yeah. <laughs> I, I want my crash test dummies. I want one to be blue, one to be red. I love that. That's my voice. Hello, mother, father. I want the crash test dummies. I want them to be five years old. I want them to be five-year-olds. I would like scratches on two of the front wheels, but nothing on the back. Only two. Um. Yeah. I mean... Man, what a great! Because I had. Did you ever have the Crash Dummies video games? Did you ever have those? No, nope. I had no Crash Dummies of any kind. Ah, oh, it was like playing the video games were like playing track and field. You remember those games? Track, track, field. Was it a bit like yeah, Quop? Yeah, yeah. No, not really like Quop. More like um, well, like like yeah, a sprint or something like that. But you'd have to do like little mini games. You'd have little different sets of mini games, and then the Crash Test Dummies would have to like get to the end of a circuit or track or something like that. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, but what were they crashing into? I don't know. They crashed into like a wall at the end. Yeah, probably. That's that seems like pretty on brand for crash test dummies. <laughs> um, <laughs> I always felt a bit sorry for them. You know, that's what they're made for. That was your life. That's the, just, just fulfilling their life's purpose. Yeah, that's their that's their raison d'être. Like you wouldn't. Yeah, but no one ever thanks them. Thanks, crash test dummies. They they do, of course they do. Of course they do. Like they're like, ah, oh, thanks, thank it's goodness. Just, that's just their job. People don't thank me for doing my job. Yeah, I get paid. Well, same to do my as job. those kind of outlines of human beings you get on shooting ranges and police departments. Nobody ever thanks yeah. them for getting shot all the time. Yeah. I just think they're do. I just think they're doing a thankless job. Yeah. And and th- the the more that we can do, hey, some people like that kind of thing. Don't. No judgment. Yeah. Yeah, some people like pain. What? They're not real people, Dan. Aren't they, Sam? They're not. They're not masochists. Uh, go driving in a car and just like, right? I want you to drive thirty miles an hour into that wall. Oh yes! Oh yes! Let's turn the airbags off. I'll have what he's having. <laughs> so, so they actually did used to be dead people. What? Pete, um, they still are. They're still are. Yeah. <laughs> we we haven't cured that yet. Death is still no. a problem. Crash test dummies in like when they were doing car uh they, when they were like doing the first car crash tests, they would use corpses. That's like um bird strike when they would test um airplane engines, they would throw like um dead chickens, not live chickens, yeah. um, up into, they'd shoot a cannon at and it would fire them into the um, propellers. Yeah. Like, you know, um, and they couldn't understand why, I think it was somewhere in the east they were doing the same test, but they were all, all their engines were knackered and they realised they'd been using frozen chickens rather than like raw ones. Oh my God, they're still doing it. What, using chickens? No, using people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so not quite as delightful as the nice '90s cartoon suggested, really. I mean, some like, people prefer oh open God. casket. <laughs> There's pictures. Why are you uh, looking at pictures of dead Sam, bodies? No, why? Why would you look for why? Why? What part of your brain went <laughs> went <laughs> corpse crash test dummy Google image search? Yeah. Why do you search test crash test dummies oh. dead people and then click the image button? Yeah, just like oh, I want to can see I, this. Like Sam, can I? Can I, you, can I donate my body to be a crash test? Dummy? Yeah, of course you could. Yeah, you yeah, could, but yeah. Sam, you, you want you want a good vehicle though, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't yeah, want like you, a Dodgem or a pedal car. Yeah. Anyway, 
What are you playing for? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I mean, yeah, it's basically uh, um, Crash Test Dummy, the video game, but not the Crash Test Dummy video game. Uh, it's a human fall flat. Um, yeah. it, it is uh, It's a physics-based puzzle platforming adventure, third-person adventure comedy video game. Uh, a com- what do you mean by a comedy video game? So, like um, toast, that toast, I am bread, and um, what's the other yeah, one? That goat one. Yeah, but less very slapstick, less gimmicky. Yeah. Um, so it's one of the few games whereby the mechanics are the humour. I mean, there's, there is also there is also just good comedic writing in there, and some very good comedic juxtapositions between a very mournful. Uh, um, uh, mournful soundtrack that's very serious and a tone that's very serious in its in its audio, and then you know uh, these basically these weird looking blobby um, ragdoll physics, you know humanoid bipeds wandering around doing tasks in a very difficult way because the the basically the the main crux of the comedy comes from the fact that you need to move around in the space uh, as you would a, a third person adventure but um, your arms are controlled separately so L2 and R2 are your arms. So it's a so, bit like co-op isn't it in so that So it's a regard. bit like a or bit surgeon simulator. Well like um, Octodad So L2, R2 left arm, right arm and then you hold on to objects so it's kind of a puzzler. I think yeah I guess kind of like a more straightforward co-op but with like environmental puzzles um for example uh jump across these platforms and there is a gap in between them so you have to jump between them but then some of them are slightly too far so you need to grab onto the side with your character and then pull yourself up over the ledge that's like a really basic one all the way up to things like storming a castle by using a catapult so like winding up a physical catapult getting yourself in pushing the lever yourself flying through the um the the trellis is that what it's called where the gate comes down the portcullis the portcullis um smashing through that um all those sorts of things like driving a speedboat uh like using a crane with a with a wrecking ball on it so to what end does this all to get to a door at the end of the level yeah so Um, i've got this game as well i've been playing it for the last week or so and what's what's quite interesting is that you're basically the whole premise of the game from what I understand so far is at the end of every level you literally just fall off an edge yeah. and the loading screen is you falling and then you literally go onto the next level and every time you fall off the level you basically go into an endless loop and you fall back where you where you fell off where the last yeah. checkpoint was let's say and every puzzle is a mixture of being very sophisticated in places but some of the puzzles it's just a bodge job and I don't yeah. mean that as to kind of render it a disservice. It's part of its charm. Um, to start off with, it re- I kind of found it frustrating. It took me a while to get into the groove of it because yeah. it was not the kind of puzzles I'm used to. I think probably the most similar thing I can think of that had a, had a similar style of puzzles was probably Portal 2 in terms of its its humour, but also... Yeah, I can see that. You have to kind of think a little bit outside the box. Yeah, sometimes it is the most obvious solution. You'll be thinking, oh, well, it's it's this, this, and this, something incredibly complicated. And actually is just a case of, well, you just need to move the catapult a little bit further back. Um, actually, yes, why not grab onto the wrecking ball? Uh, 
and yep. you're flailing about. You you will get in this game. You will fall from great heights. You'll get crushed by pretty much nearly everything. Um, and you're because you're this kind of malleable, stretch Armstrong kind of like figure. That's where the humor lies, really, is that um, you will literally go down like a sack of crap in places. Yeah. Even though you've missed that jump, it is frustrating because you have to get the right button combinations. It is equally hilarious. It's a bit of a slow burn, though, I would say. A lot of... Oh, well, okay, so I don't know about that. So I'm playing in... Because you're playing at co-op, aren't you? I'm playing at co-op. See, I'm playing it solo. So I've got no one to turn to and say, look at that, isn't this ridiculous? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there is is a lot of joy that comes from having another person with you. So I understand that you can play up to eight players online, but I've not touched that. But me and Alex have been going through this uh, as a co-op thing. So Chris, is is it for you, is it a puzzle game? And, and for you, Pete, is it when you're playing with Alex? Is it? Ju- is it? I mean, what what kind of game is it? Are you is playing it, it for the puzzle, or are you just playing it to have I, fun? I'm 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 playing it with Alex instead of watching a comedy series on Netflix. Cool. Uh, I'm playing it to just see the originality in the puzzles with this premise, and to see if there's any humour coming through the puzzles. That's really why I'm playing it for really. And it was six quid at the time of recording on PS Plus. Oh yeah, that was also a reason. Knowing how we play games, yeah, I imagine this would possibly be one of the worst games for us to play no. together. Oh, this would no, great. this would actually be the best because we would spend all of our time not trying to play the game, just down. just annoy each other. I remember when we played yeah. the four-player uh, Tomb Raider game. All we spent our entire time doing was blowing each other up with bombs. That's oh, all we spent our time doing. Yeah, just yeah, annoying it's the, each it's the per- other. It's the perfect game for messing with people. It's hilarious, like su- like pulling pulling the ledge away ever so slightly just at the final minute after somebody's done something very intricate and difficult. <laughs> oh, it's so yeah, it's so entertaining. But it also it also inspires that camaraderie, right? So like there was a bit where Alex was. Uh, hanging onto the side of a ledge, and she just she just couldn't make it up to the side of it. So I so I grabbed onto the side of the ledge uh, myself, so I could pick myself back up. And then I swung over down and reached my arm down and picked her up by the, by the back of her head and <laughs> pulled her up with me. And we were like, yes! Like when we got to the top of this ledge, we were like, yes! Um, and and it and it's fantastic. So it it yeah it. It encourages both. It encourages you to be silly and playful. So, you know, I've got my TV license. And oh, originally, yeah. I, I got it to watch Doctor Who. Uh, yes. Now I'm actually going through it and discovering all these shows that people have recommended to me. <laughs> oh, you should watch this, Chris. Uh, so I'm basically way behind the rest of the UK, if not the world. You're still ahead of Pete. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, look at the fancy football as well, Dan. I'm ahead of Pete on that, but I still don't feel like I'm ahead, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, you're ahead of Pete on the um, Round the Houses challenge. That's very true. Oh. That's very true. Uh, but I've, I've discovered, um, through lots of recommendations, uh, Killing Eve, yes. uh, which Killing is Eve. a BBC America series, only eight episodes, uh, by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who essentially produced it and wrote it, I was there as a, a, a kind of the script uh, writer, uh, the kind of the doctor, let's say, overall of the mastermind of it overall, based on a 
a novella series by is it Luke Jennings, I think 2014, 2016 yeah, was published. Right. It's about, basically at its core, it's about two women who are obsessed with each other. One is an MI5 operative who's basically on the fringes of all the action and wants to be in the action where the action is happening and has this strange obsession with female assassins. And the other woman is a female assassin who is chameleonic and utterly uh, magnetic as as a as a figure and do you want, do you want my do you want my reductionist take on it yeah go on sam brilliant it's, sam yeah something for twitter beautiful yeah it's go on. uh what if batman and joker but women <laughs> I mean, that's one way to look at it. I mean, th- there are certain movements there we've put back several decades. Oh. <laughs> but seriously, what if Batman and Joker, but they weren't superheroes? <laughs> it's true, yeah. actually. A lot of people have made that connection, particularly Heath Ledger's Joker of Villanelle, because Jodie Comer, who plays the role, uh, have you seen interviews with her? She's, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but she is so different to... Villanelle. I mean, I can't imagine, I don't think I'd ever want to meet someone in real life who's like Villanelle because she has this look in her eye where you're not sure if she's going to hug you or stab you. And mm. that's a very difficult characteristic to pull off. And you're generally rooting for her throughout. You can't help but be sympathetic for her. She, she's very charismatic. Completely charismatic with everyone she speaks to and works with and follows or is followed by. And she always feels she has the upper hand in whatever situation she's in. Why you should watch it? Why is it no different to anything else? Well, Sam alluded to, it's women-led. Sandra Oh, who um, many people will probably know from Grey's Anatomy. I know her from the film Sideways. Pete, you won't know whatsoever. No. She, um, she loves Killing Eve. She, she had, she's been waiting for a script like this for years when she was, it was given to, it, given to her. You've got Fiona Shaw, who is, who becomes her boss, who, takes her under her wing into this secret black ops kind of group that has to hunt down Villanelle because everyone else believes that Eve um, has made up this person. This person doesn't exist. She's a ghost, but there might be something going on, some kind of corruption going on in English and British intelligence and some kind of collusion going on there. And underpinning all of it, because it may sound like it's an utterly serious series, is this really dark, very wry humour. And... It's got those moments where me and my partner will be watching it and you'll just turn and go, oh my gosh, did you just see what just happened there? I do think it was, I think the humour is a really interesting aspect of it because, I mean, I really liked it. But the, the, the kind of the feeling I had, and to be fair, I've mentioned this to various people who spoke about it, and I, most people don't agree with this, but I don't in any way mean this as any kind of criticism of the show. But I think because of the humour... Um, within that i never when i was watching i never felt particularly tense watching it but usually that would be a bad thing but for 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 in the course of the show i actually i didn't find it a bad thing I, I still enjoyed it It didn't affect my enjoyment of it and it didn't make it didn't feel in any way detrimental to it but because of that undercutting of with the humor i never kind of allowed myself to feel particularly tense even though there were scenes um that were dramatic and there were scenes where tension built i i was always because i knew there was a joke around the corner it, well, i'm not saying it's, it's not like slapstick joke or like a laugh out loud but there's darkly um darkly humorous actions that happen or things that are said or events that take place 
it I it never allowed me to get probably deep enough into it that actually I I kind of paused and was very tense um, and kind of allowed that to take over. And as I say, usually that would be a bad thing. If that's the case in an in a show, so that would be a bad thing. I did not feel that this in any way took away from the show. Um, I just that was just the the kind of the impression that I got from it. I think I think that was entirely intentional because I think that is um villanelle's attitude to death and life that it's just a joke and no one's life is as valuable as hers so why treat it as such and as the audience i think the shock doesn't come from how people die or what happens to people it's her attitude to people dying like there's one guy who kind of sort of she's semi like starts a date and he accidentally dies and she's just like well problem solved another character she like runs over and she's like whoops and so it's it's her it i hello and it's it's not i don't think it is a show that's meant to particularly be like oh super 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 tense because the humor and phoebe Waller-Bridge tends to do this throughout most for humor anyway well, she did in Fleabag, which is an exceptionally funny show, like one of my favourites. And it's quite weird, actually, because Lisa hated Fleabag, but she loves um, Killing Eve, probably because it's got all the murder in it. Yeah, um, because she, 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 she does like a little bit of murder. Your good she loves lady. murder, doesn't she? Loves but that's it. weird for me because the humour is exactly the same. Like, those characters were one step away from like looking dead in the camera and just giving a funny aside like like her character does in Fleabag. Um, but it's it is an exceptional show. Like and the balance that they get um between the humour and the drama and I've always said this from the days of watching The Wire and Gilmore Girls and The Marvelous Miss Maisel <laughs> Um, often, often the wire and Gilmore Girls are sat are sat side by side. What a trinity! What a triumvirate of a trinity. Well, um, but and Breaking Bad as well is another show that does this in exemplary ways. Is that true drama is funny? Mm. Yeah, drama. Like if you're doing drama right, I should be laughing. There is space for comedy. Yeah. Well, there's not space for comedy. Com- true comedy comes from true drama, yeah. and there is a, there is absurdity in true events in real life. Yeah, right. and that and capturing that, and that's why I also think that you know, Killing Eve probably didn't make you feel tense, is because that humour is makes those characters feel a lot more real because they're always constantly diffusing the situation. So I think it's time for uh, an update. One of our last updates on the exercise challenge that we set ourselves at the start of this year. Um, I know we've all been working hard to reach our goal. Um, Some ignore me, Dan. Some of us, Alexander Hamilton, more than others. Ignore me, Dan. So, so Dan, Dan, what was it again? It was we basically had to run the distance. So so this was the. we called it the Around the House Challenge. Up. Oh. Yeah! Ignore me, Dan. Street. You can do that for 30 seconds, Dan. Oh. Ignore me, Dan. Go. Just, Let's just go. Go, go talk over the top. I'll, I'll lose me in the mix. Come on. How much, how much are you benching there? The okay, so there was the Around the Houses Challenge. 
<laughs> so I've just taken off my headphones to avoid listening to Sam's caterwauling. Oh, sorry, I set the duck off. <laughs> so yeah, we did the Around the Houses Challenge. The Around the Houses Challenge was uh, an exercise challenge that would encourage us to exercise over the course of a year. So over the course of the year, we had to travel the distance, and this could be through kind of running, cycling, rowing, however you want, whatever cardio you wanted to do, you could do it this way. So... Um, we had to go from my house in London up to Sam's house in Manchester to Chris's house in Liverpool to Aberystwyth where we all met down to Pete's house in Bristol and then right back to mine in London so we've been Beautiful. keeping track of this um, kind of off the podcast we can keep track of this over the, over the course of the year um, we've got a, a, a spreadsheet which updates and we all update it and see how it goes um, and we, we're coming to the end of it now so obviously we start in January we're into December now. Well, we will be when this comes out. So, hi, December. Um, hi, December. Hi, hi, hi December. noon. Hi, December. Um, <laughs> so, we're, we're coming to the end of this. So, it's a good opportunity to uh, just just check in, see how we're doing. Because I get the feeling, and I say this fully in knowledge of where some of us are, um, that some of us may be passing the finish line fairly soon. So, mm-hmm. let's just say... Because I've 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 taken a kind of a snapshot of where we all are today. I found us on a map. So let me just see where we all are. Okay. Okay. So currently in yeah. fourth place. Yeah. Uh, the, the just say so you know the target. Okay, for the whole year is eight hundred and twenty nine kilometers. Eight hundred twenty nine kilometers. Okay. Who's in fourth? I, I don't know who's going to be in fourth place. Okay, so is in it Chris? fourth place. I is mean, Sam. I mean, ju- I mean be fair, it's close. It's really yeah. close. Okay. Okay. So, okay. so the target's eight twenty nine. Okay. In fourth place, with sixty, is Peter Wellington. <sighs> so, so oh. yeah. So well sh- shock, shock. I know. Um, so still Pete, got time. You're in currently. You're in Bletchley still. You've been there for a few months now. Um, it's got a crack enigma. Yeah. yeah. So, so you've been working hard. Uh, <laughs> currently, as of today. Um, yeah. Sam is in third place. Hello. Sam is Where's on he? 718. He is currently in Marlborough. Uh, oh, flavour country. So then it's between me and Chris for the top spot. Um, yeah. In second place is Chris <gasps> with, with just under 771 kilometres, and he's in I'm Reading. S- I'm still. I'm starting to see why Dan wanted to do this update. Yeah, go on. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be a competitive thing. Well, no, I think, it's we, both not said, competitive. I think we said at the start, it wasn't meant to be. I think we said at the start it would be competitive, though. I'm not really competing. <sighs> you know. uh, and then in first place would be me. And currently, <laughs> I am uh, 5.6 kilometers off the goal. Um, wow. And at the point of uh, recording, no return. I've got. My plan tomorrow is to do that 5.6 kilometres. And I've decided, because the finish line is my house, the kind of the last the last bit of it, I'm going to run oh. on my way home tomorrow. So the finish line oh. is actually going to be my house. And I run up to my house. To oh, kind that's of, brilliant. Just to tie it all up in a nice, neat little bow. And I'll kind that's of beautiful. come home, arms outstretched, kind of ticker tape, going through the air. And my wife Are you going to have a tape across your door to breast? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I'll see if my wife will do that. I don't think she will. She'll probably look at me and say, what are you doing? What? Yeah. She's there with a roll of kitchen foil. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just wrapping me up. Wrapped over you. Well, you can make the tea so when Chris and I arrive. Absolutely. So, yeah, so... Uh, uh, hold uh, b- 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 And me. Thank you very much. Okay. But it was the 2018 Round the Houses Challenge. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, if you plan on doing another 770 kilometres, <laughs> the distance it's taken Chris to do all year... Yeah. ...in the next month... Yeah. Then I'll have then, a tea waiting for you. Okay. It's about 10 kilometres a day. Roughly, a bit more. No, that would be 77 days in a month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah, because if you're doing 70, if you're doing 700, two months of 30, so you're doing 300, so you need to do 10 a day to do 300 in each month. So that's 600. I did say a bit more, but we're already halfway through November, so... It's looking unlikely. Yeah, let's, put it, it's unlikely. let's put it that way. Um, well, okay. So to be fair, I have to say, this is the longest I've ever maintained an exercise regime. Usually I've given up, but I've managed to go a whole year maintaining kind of exercise. So what are you going to do when it's all over? I was going to say, what are we going to do afterwards? And is this the final update or do we do one in like next time or one after that? Well, I think by by next time I I should have finished. I mean, who who knows what's going to happen, but I should have finished. He'll be 16 stone. Yeah. (laughs) Because <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna go town on go to town on like pies and ice cream, oh, beautiful, and beautiful, fish beautiful. and chips, the lot. Um, what are we gonna do next year? I don't know because uh, the as as fun as the around the hosted challenge has been, and I have found it for a lot of fun, and it's been a yes. great, it's been great, it's been a great encouragement to do exercise. <laughs> Pete's found it very yeah. relaxing. I've loved it. I've loved, I've loved every minute of it. Yeah, go on. Uh, kind of, we we talked about it, and Sam, you did point out that it can be quite restrictive in terms of just generally what you, if you want to exercise or go to the gym and stuff like that, it can be quite restrictive because you kind of, if you're not doing cardio, you feel like you're being left behind. Yeah. So. Mm. I don't know. It's it's, it's a Who difficult can, one it, because there's no kind of narrative way of monitoring lifting weights. We'll figure it out. Maybe, maybe, maybe someone in our from our wonderful community. Yeah, stayinginpod at gmail.com uh, for the for suggestions of what we should do for a whole year. What what kind of physical abuse can we put ourselves through for yeah. for another year? Three words, lads: crash test dummy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Um, so uh, you can also send th- other things to that email. Yes, like questions. Yes, you can also send it to Twitter at Staying in Pod. Pete, 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 slow, slow down. At Facebook, whatever the heck it is. Pete, slow down. Right, I missed that. You shouted it. Just got to calm down. Oh no, all of them. Right, it's done. We've got over it. What is it? What's the what? Can you can they can they can they send it questions Stop. anywhere else? Stop now. <laughs> so it comes from at Board Graham's uh, best name on Twitter. It is a really good name, actually, isn't it? No, this has come from Twitter. I said at Borgrams. Keep up. So, uh, so, so, how, how did it, where did you send it to? I've done all this. If you want to send us a question on Twitter, so it's a letter A, it's yeah. a letter T, then staying in <laughs> pod. Is that how it works, Pete? Question is. <laughs> um, so, Borgrams asks, going yeah. going out to eat. Yeah, going out to eat. Lovely. Do you choose breakfast? Lunch or dinner? 
Mm. Um, now, obviously, these uh, there's a little note here. These things may be called something else, depending on your location. Dinner may be tea, for example. And we've had a long discussion about this off air. We won't repeat that. Uh, but basically, where what, what what would you what would you choose of the three main meals in the day? So no, I don't think it's asked. That's not the question at all. You just yeah. asked your own. Did you question. choose breakfast, lunch, or dinner? So, yeah, so you're asking you just... what do we have for breakfast, lunch, dinner, or are you saying if you could have one meal, would you choose it to be breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Going out to eat, do you choose breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Which of the three meals of the day, now, main meals, do you choose? I did tweet at Board Graham's for a bit of clarification on this okay, question, yeah. and and they didn't get back to me, so well, thanks. It's fine um, because <laughs> everyone's busy. I wanted because I wanted to know: Are they asking if you're going out? to eat yeah do you prefer to go out for breakfast yeah. lunch or dinner yes so so do you know what i mean like so do you prefer to go out for a nice lunch yes or do you prefer to go out for a nice breakfast yes in the that's exactly what they're or, asking or is it yeah or is it yeah you're going out to eat on the menu a breakfast items, ah, items or dinner items yeah that's how i what do you it. choose yeah the menu? i I often go to nice restaurants and they say, would you like to have the breakfast menu or the dinner menu? But that's why it's a question. I mean... No, no. At Todd Cork, K-A-U-K, I apologise, Todd, if I'm butchering your surname. Um, He's he's a nice guy. He's got a beard and glasses. Oh. But he just just said dinner. Straight away. Straight away. Straight in with dinner. Um, I think, for me, this is breakfast. I really like going out for breakfast. I love Me it. Me too. Because it's, it's the thing where there's a purpose, right? Because usually you're going out on a Saturday, really, for breakfast. Or a Sunday. Um, and there's a purpose. So you go, I'm going to get up. You're getting up at a, an earlier hour than you normally would for breakfast on a weekend because you've got to go out, you've got to get dressed, you've got to do, have a shower, all those regular <laughs> maybe, things. Maybe you are. Oh, you do. Yeah. I do, yeah. I and get at the exact you, same time. Peter's black tie breakfast. Yeah, and I get, I get, I get, I get up and I make myself look all nice and stuff, and then walk down to wherever, wherever it is that I'm going to go and have breakfast. Then you're going to have breakfast with some lovely people. You have some lovely breakfast. Breakfast is lovely, and then you've got the rest of the day, f- knowing you're full well you're set up. Yeah, and also the other reason I would pick breakfast is you can sit down. And you can sit down with all your friends, and yeah. and then you have your friends sitting next to you, saying, "Oh yeah, I'll have the uh, the salmon, the salmon and scrambled eggs. Oh, brilliant! Oh, that that's fantastic." Uh, someone else next to you, "I'll I'll just have the the jam on toast," and then you go, "Well, I'll have the pancakes, lashings of maple syrup and fruit, please." Mm. Breakfast is the only time of day where you can legitimately have dessert stuff as yeah. the main meal. Yeah, like it's the most versatile uh, something so for everyone. If you're go- so if you're going out to eat. If you're going out for breakfast stuff, then it's kind of like, well, I can have dessert and I can have a big cooked meal or mm. I could just have something small really light, and bite-sized yeah. depending or... on your... Whereas if you're going out for dinner, if you're just like, oh, I just I don't really fancy much. I'll just but... have a salad. Yeah, I'll just have a starter. Can I just have two starters, please? And just, can you bring one with the Just a glass mains? of water, please. <laughs> For me, as usual, it's about the amount. Like, can you have a three-course breakfast? Yes. Yeah, of course you can. Okay. Especially if you go to an all-you-can-eat. <laughs> yeah. And genuinely, but... breakfast meals are larger than a normal dinner because yeah. for some reason it's considered that 
that's an acceptable point of the day to eat three times more than you usually would do for half the price. It's because you've like it's because you've fasted for eight or nine hours and your body is like is give fasting, me right. energy. See, yeah. I, I'm I'm a little bit torn because. Uh, oh, here we go, contrarian Dan. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. a little bit torn yeah. because I'm, I'm on board with the breakfast stuff. I because... pick supper. <laughs> Elevensies. I have a midnight <laughs> feast. Um, <laughs> oh, I used to love midnight feast. Oh, but like with breakfast, I'm on a, on a on a weekend. I'm prone to if I get up, just a kind of lazing around the house and being quite lazy in the morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so by going out for breakfast. Again, as you say, it gets me out of the house and it, it kind of kickstarts my day much more so than if I would stay at home. Yeah. However, now, before you jump down my neck and say breakfast food is delicious, I would say comparing, if I were to go out to a really fancy restaurant and have a main meal on an evening, mm. I perhaps may enjoy that meal more and maybe a better quality of food than I would if I went for breakfast in the morning. No, Doesn't mean to no, say that the no, breakfast no. is bad. But what no. I'm going to have, I might have. I think you're going the wrong places for breakfast. Yeah, you're going to you're going <laughs> yeah. to some naff places for breakfast, mate. Like in in Bristol, you can go to you can go for a breakfast that will knock your socks off. I've had delicious. Go on, say that the rude way. Say that the rude way, so I can bleep it out. Go on. You... I know you wanted to. I can no, see no, it. no, just bleep that out, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> that will knock your beep off. Is there any is there any food you've eaten which you think? Ooh, I've. This isn't breakfast, but oh, I'm gonna have it for I'm gonna have it for breakfast. A whole chocolate gato, leftover Chinese food. Just any any. I to be fair, any yeah. leftover takeaway is a pretty good breakfast. So. Yeah, yeah. In a bowl with some milk over the top. Mm. That's when I invented cheetza. What? Cheetza. What's cheetza? What's cheetza? Like when you have a takeaway pizza a couple of nights before. Couple of nights. It's only good for one. It's only good after the first night. You you, you can't push it beyond then. That, that's when that's when you start getting ill. Hence the cheating part of. And then the... you have takeaway Chinese food the night afterwards. Oh, oh Peter, no. Peter. I mean, I'm all I'm all for kind of maximising the use of takeaway over multiple nights, but you're pushing it to an extreme here that I'm not happy to go with. Is that Chinese food? <laughs> do you, what and what do you do? Do you like put the Chinese food on top of the pizza? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no That's interculturalism in a nutshell. No. It is. Yeah, I'm a very multicultural person. So that was staying in with myself, Sam Turner, Peter Willington, Chris Darby, and Daniel Frost. If something in this episode made you laugh, smile, or have a little think, then please consider subscribing so you get the next show as soon as it's released. This podcast is all about sharing those things we enjoy with those closest to us. So if you have a friend, relative, mate, pal or chum who you would think would love the Staying In podcast, then why not tell them about it? You could leave us a review, but we would much rather you sit down a good acquaintance, look them in the eye, tell them they're lovely and they should really be listening to the Staying In podcast. Talking of sharing, if you need some more details of anything we've talked about on this episode, then go to stayingin.podbean.com or contact any of us via Twitter at stayinginpod. If you want to ask us a question, then a great place to start is with the email address, stayinginpod at gmail.com. But if you're more comfortable using Facebook or Twitter, then we're on there too. We also have curation pages on Steam and Board Game Geek, so if you're ever stuck for something to do, then search for us on there and we can guide you to the awesome stuff that we love. 
Until next time, thank you very much for listening to the show and goodbye.